Welcome to the Oasis Revival Ministry podcast and sermon of the week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Daniel McGear. For more sermons or info regarding our church, visit our website at www.revivalministry.co.za. Welcome, everyone. We just, from my heart, just am so grateful to be here. And I'm also grateful to have friends in the ministry and everyone who's involved in helping out. And just a massive gift uh, is just to be together. We, everyone in this room is a gift to each other, right? Just say this with me. I am a gift to the body. Oh, yeah, he sounded all yeah. Don't worry. God is good. God is good. Quickly, um, tomorrow night there is Marriage Monday. And if you want to be a part of that, come at 5.30 for 6. We will make sure there's good social distancing and safety. And what's more exciting is we're actually starting with Love After Marriage, the weekly course starting on the 28th. And so Marriage Monday was just a warm-up. How many of you have just been blessed by Marriage Monday so far? Go, woo! Yes, that's us. Okay, and now we're going to take it to the next level, and we're going to start Love After Marriage, um, the weekly. We've just, um, Justin and Jolene have been released by Nothing Hidden Ministries just to host it here at Oasis. And so we're really excited about what God is doing with Love After Marriage. So I want to encourage you. If you haven't done Love After Marriage yet, sign up. Um, it's, there, there is a, a, an investment fee of 750 rand, but it's worth it for 18 weeks, 12, 18 weeks, 18 weeks. And 18 weeks is a small investment to make for the rest of your life. And if you don't have 750 this month, you can pay 375 and 375 the next month. So there's no excuse. Make sure you get, it, you get in, get involved, and build on your marriage. I can just vouch for that. Awesome. And then on the 30th of June is Wednesday night. It's the last Wednesday night of the month, and that means... How amazing was the last worship night, if you guys were here? God was just here in the house. And so it's just an evening where we get to really focus and just, oh man, it's good. So be here. I can't explain it. You've got to experience it. 30th of June. Shh. I can't do that. I, I can't translate backwards from English into tongues. Okay. So. Alrighty. Um, I was, it was just, Jonah just prayed about wisdom over, over the households, and um, how many of you want wisdom? Uh, three people, God's good, all right, at least the three people, we'll still have some wise people, lead. it's just say, how many of you want wisdom? All right, say, so I do, all right, James, in, in James 1, he says, uh, if any of you lacks wisdom, ask for it, and you will receive it. 
And if anyone asks and does not believe, they will receive, they are like like the swells in the ocean, tossed to and fro, right? And so John, James, James knew what he was speaking about because he had been in a boat that, that was being tossed all over the show. James is speaking from experience here. He was in a boat with Jesus. And Jesus found the couch in the back of the boat, fell asleep. And then what started to happen? A storm came up. Okay? And the disciples were pretty new at this. They were new in ministry. They were new in what Jesus was doing. So they sat at the front of the boat they got a little wet behind the ears. And there they are. And they're like, the world is going to... Oh, that joke just slid in there. Some of you caught it. Some of you didn't. And, and, and they're like, man, we're going to die here. And they look at Jesus and Jesus is asleep. And they're like, but, but don't, you, don't you care? Hey, wake up. And Jesus wakes up and he does what? Calms the storm. He rebukes the storm. And then the word says there was absolute, absolute, absolute peace. And this is all part of a story. Jesus, Jesus was on his way actually to nowhere. And then they were on their way back. And so they were on their way. They just crossed the lake to get away from everyone. They cast some demons out into some pigs on that side. And then they came back to this side. And there's an important story that's taking place. And, and James here is, is speaking from experience. He's saying, just believe it. You've got to believe it. And the Lord laid on my heart. We started last week where he just... He started something where we just have to say, I believe. And in this season, we can't be looking around at what's going on and be allowing that to shape our faith. We have to be saying, I believe. How many of you want to say, I believe? All right, so just say it. I believe. And Jesus now is come back and they, they go into town and yeah, this father comes. And I didn't actually plan this in terms of Father's Day. But yeah, this father comes and his daughter is gravely ill. And he says, will you come and heal my daughter? This is the father's love. This is the father's heart. What he most wants in this time is for us to be restored, to be healed. He says, Jesus, will you come? He was the leader of the synagogue. He looked at Jesus. And besides all of his background and where he came from and what he stood for, he said, I will believe. And Jesus says, let's go. And so they start heading in his direction they kind of go through a narrow street and there's a crowd and kind of gets delayed a little bit in the traffic. And the 
father's servants come running to him and they say, it's too late. We just sang that song, what you consider to be dead. May God breathe new breath into it. May he pour out a fresh fragrance from heaven. See, God the Father wants to protect you. And these are his promises. I will protect you. I will provide. I will heal. I will restore. And there are three things in this story, and I'm really, we ran out of time, but God is good. So there's three things in the story that I just saw as symbols of stuff that are in our hearts. And, and the first thing I saw was there is a sea and there are storms. And what this speaks of, where the sea and the storm speaks of, it speaks of moments in our lives where we have to give over control to God. There are you're going to go through circumstances in your life where the boat will sail from the shore. And if any of you have ever been in a boat on a rough sea, you know you've just handed over your life to the skipper. <laughs> when you climb in a plane and they take off and suddenly there's turbulence, you realize my hand my, my life is in someone else's hands. And in this case, the disciples didn't realize that their lives were in the hands of God their Father. And so I want to encourage you, don't be afraid to set sail. Don't be afraid to leave the shore. In fact, eagerly pursue a lifestyle where you have to cross the lake. <laughs> it's amazing that in Jesus' ministry, he literally crossed the lake just to get away. And then he ministered on that side. And then you can read this in Mark 3 and Mark 4. He crossed the lake again. And so many of us are too afraid to believe too afraid to step into those moments where we have to set sail. Where we have to put our lives in God's hands. It's nice on the shore. It's safe on the shore. But there is something on the other side. And so be awake, be aware, recognize the moments that even when it's stormy, believe. And ask for God's wisdom in that moment. The, 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 the theme I want to speak about today is I believe and I'm asking for wisdom. What is wisdom? Danny Silk jokes, he says, knowledge is knowing that tomato is a fruit. Wisdom is not putting tomato in fruit salad. Okay, <laughs> you're going to hit a moment in your life where you realize, okay, I've got all the knowledge, I've got all the understanding, I've got all the experience, 
And now I have to go into the unknown. See, God's promises for, for your life are not found in what is known. And they're not found in what you already have experienced. They're not found in the place of comfort. God has bigger, greater things in store for you. Now don't all of you go leave the church and travel to other cities and go live somewhere else. I'm talking about challenges that you face. That you haven't bought into, that you haven't stepped into because you've been too afraid to step out. And James is so clear. He's like, just ask for wisdom and believe that you'll have it. But don't doubt. Don't waver. Don't go this way and then that way and then this way and then that way. Because then you'll never see the promises of God for your life. That's the sea. The second story in this whole story, it's all in Mark 3 and 4. Uh, let me just check here. Mark 5, actually. I'm just paraphrasing out of these chapters. You can go read the book of Mark. The second story here is, as they're going to this father's house, there's a woman. And she has an issue of blood. And she thinks to herself, if I can only touch his garment, then I will be healed. But there's a key thing there, a key phrase. It says she had an issue of blood. But she had also seen many physicians. She had sought help in many places. She had received many different opinions. Maybe spent a lot of money. Maybe had many procedures. Maybe applied many different things. Don't focus on the issue of blood. Focus on where her help was coming from. The Bible says my help. Psalms 121 says my help comes from the Lord, the creator of heaven and earth. And this woman realized, wow, if God is my creator, then my help can only come from the Lord. We're blessed to know many doctors who are believers, physicians who are believers. I was having a run with a doctor. He's a surgeon and he said they brought a patient in and he's, Rosine, what do you call your superior? He's what? He's consultant, right? His boss said, operate. And they wheeled the patient into the operating theater and the anesthetist said, Ach, Niemann, why are you bringing a body in here? And he said, God, today this surgery is your surgery. And he operated. patient went out. The next day he came to work. His consultant, is that the right? Called him in. Said, come look here. 
took him to a ward and the patient they operated on yesterday on was walking around the room unassisted. Talking about neurosurgery. The doctor said, that wasn't me. His consultant said, I know. (laughs) See, there's something powerful about a patient who believes. But what about when a doctor believes? And when a doctor can walk in and say, God, into your hands. This, this is your work. This is your miracle. This is your moment. And so yes, the woman with the issue of blood, she's been... They must know, there were no godly doctors. They were trying things out. They were experimenting. <sighs> she goes, God, there's only one. I believe today. But she had to overcome. And I just saw the crowd that surrounded Jesus. I saw them as a picture of all of the opinions and and all of the struggles she'd been through. I just saw this crowd as a symbol of all of the no's and all of the bad news and all of the failed attempts. And one more time she pressed through the crowd And she said, I'm going to push through everything that has come against me and I'm just going to touch Jesus. And Jesus, surrounded by the crowd, felt the one touch. He felt the power going out of him. Jesus says, who touched me? And his disciples were like, Jesus, there's a crowd. I've had elbows in my face all morning. And you ask, who touched you? <laughs> yeah, that's in social distancing. has got another picture to it, all right? <laughs> you see, sometimes when you press in for Jesus, you might see a crowd... And they're all surrounding Jesus. And they're all around Jesus for their own purpose. Trying to get to Jesus for their own gain. And you've got to press through to get to Jesus. And Jesus is so ready. He's so expectant. That the moment you reach out, He feels your faith. Pulling on him. Jesus didn't turn around and go, I yield her. Yes, I did it. No, he turned around. He said, Lady, your faith has healed you. Your faith has healed you. Your faith has healed you. Craig Rochelle says, if you forget what you're going to say next, just repeat what you just said and walk back to your notes. Your faith has healed you. <laughs> I haven't forgot what I want to say next. I just remembered that. <laughs> say with me, I believe. Come on, I believe. If you don't know where you're going to go next, say... I believe. (laughs) Now I'm going to read my notes for a while. (laughs) 
<laughs> the crowd represents the many opinions, the help from many sources, the lots of advice from clever and learned people. The sea represents moments in life where you have to give it all to God. The crowd represents the many opinions that stand in your way. And then there's the girl who died. Jesus overhearing the bad news, but ignoring it. Say, I have overheard, but I am ignoring. (laughs) Come on, say, I have overheard, but I am ignoring. If I am going to believe, I will overhear. But I am going to ignore. Hello? That's, I didn't say you must stop repeating. If I am going to believe, I will overhear. But I will ignore. Bad news. When it seems too late. And the voices came and they said, stop bothering Jesus. It's too late. You can't bother God. You can't bug Jesus. Have you ever received a phone call and they say, I'm so sorry to bother you? (laughs) Salespeople bother me. Sorry, salespeople. I know you also need a job. Jonah still does cold calling. <laughs> but, I mean, that's the position we put ourselves in. We phone up someone and we say, I'm so sorry to bug you right now. No, phone. You have a reason to call. If you call me, I, I expect that you have a reason to be calling. Your phone call is valuable. And so God is not bugged about what time you pray or when you pray or how many times you've prayed or how often you've not seen a prayer answered or by how many times you've made a mistake or how many times you've slipped up or how many times you haven't been perfect. God's not like, ah, this guy's bugging me. In the voice of Trevor Noah, God's not like you're bugging me. And what Jesus did next is he separated himself from the crowd. He took James, Peter, and John. James. James who wrote. James who wrote, if you want wisdom, if you're looking for wisdom, pray and believe you will get it. Those are the three people Jesus took with. People that would one day write books that transform the world. He took the three believers. He said, let's go. Let's go. Crowd, you stay here. There's Starbucks. 
Seattle coffee, Nando's, McDonald's, it's all here. You guys hang out. We're going to the real work. Jesus came and he looked over a family that was in mourning and he observed. And then he went in and he came out and he said, but she's just sleeping. Now in Proverbs 19, it says, slothfulness, transition there, big transition. Proverbs 19, verse 15 says, Slothfulness casts one into a deep sleep, and the idle person shall suffer hunger. And I just saw this picture of those of us who've been too afraid to believe, too afraid to step into the boat. Too afraid to get in. You, you're not dead. You're, you're just asleep. Hello? Some of us feel like our time is gone. That our best time is behind us. I was watching my own sermon from last week. I encouraged myself. I was like, yes, Daniel, preach it. It's good, man. I forgot I said that. That's awesome. I just spoke last week about you're in training. You might have experience, you might have knowledge, you might have the best talents in the world, but you're in training until God comes and he lights his fire on your life and he anoints you in a purpose and a calling that is specific to you. And there is a moment where he pulls you up out of your sleep. And he says, go. And he says, run. And he says, build. And he says, speak. He says, create. And he imparts his nature on you. Now God's nature, man, it's, I don't know where I got this from, somewhere in the Bible. (laughs) I think it's John 1, John 3, if I remember correctly, says, it's like we come out of darkness and we step into light. Imagine your eyes have been closed and they open for the first time. And then he says, so that your works may be shown To be exactly what they are. Wrought with God. 
Now, wrought means to be built by God, to be formed by God, to be constructed by God, to be composed. Think of a symphony by God. So that moment of anointing is when he takes everything you've learned, everything you've experienced, everything you've ever practiced, everything you've ever done, and suddenly he gives you a divine prompting. I love that word, divine prompting. He prompts you, and you know without a shadow of a doubt, that this is the Holy Spirit prompting me, sending me in a direction. He gives you this prompting. And then he says, but I'm not just going to prompt you and I'm going to leave you. I'm, I'm going to help you. <laughs> and you say, I am going to depend on God. David says in the Psalms, he says, I will seek for the Lord. I will inquire of the Lord and I will require the Lord. This is what it means to believe, is I will seek, inquire and require. I will step into my divine calling. I know that when I step into my divine calling, God's help will be there. And I will always be dependent on God. And so Jesus says, it says, He gripped her hand firmly. And He pulled her up out of the bed and He said, wake up. And then He called the family. And they found her walking around the room. She had been brought to life. And God wants to do that with us, in our spirits, within our hearts, when we say, I believe. We see, we've got to listen. We, when Jesus says, wake up, we've got to say, yes, sir. <laughs> yes, Lord, I'm there. And it sounds difficult, it sounds hard, but for the lady with the issue of blood, there was just one thing she needed to do. So often we get distracted by all of the things that could possibly be wrong. We get distracted by everything that isn't right. We get distracted by all the voices. We get distracted by all the opinions. And I've been in the place where I've tried this and I've tried that and I've tried this and I've tried that and then you end up and you look back and you go, but none of it's working. And God says there's just one thing. Sometimes there's just one thing. Think about your life where you've perhaps made a decision. Maybe you've done one thing and it's created a mess. And God wants you to go back to that one thing and fix it. 
God wants you to go back to that one thing and trust Him in the one thing instead of try and do it all on your own. So often one thing can happen in our life, one event, and then we've got to put out fires in a hundred different places. And the enemy wants us to focus on all the little fires. By the way, why do ducks have flat feet? To put out forest fires. It's a joke, three people got it. Why do elephants have flat feet? To put out flaming ducks. All right. So what the enemy wants us to do is to focus on all the little flaming ducks. On all the little things that are going wrong. And God's saying, will you focus on one thing? Will you allow me to take control in that one area of your life? Life is not complicated. And when you allow God to come into the one thing, you find everything else falls into place. Where does my help come from? It comes from the Lord, the creator of heaven and earth. If you're saying today, man, my marriage is a mess. God says, there's just one thing. <laughs> Yo, come to love after marriage. <laughs> just saying my finances are a mess. God's saying, there's just one thing. If you're saying my dreams and vision for my life confuse me. I am uncertain of my future. God's saying there's one thing. He'll always take you back to one decision, one place where he can take your hand, where he can grip you and pull you up. If you're saying my health is a mess, God says there's one thing. Let me heal that one thing. If you're saying today, I've lost hope, God says, let me just come and fix one thing. Let me just come and touch you in one area. Let me ignite something in your life through faith. Say, I believe. John 3.21 says, He who practices truth, comes out into the light. This morning I just want to bless you with the spirit of wisdom and the courage to say, I believe. I want to bless you with God's truth. May you step out of all forms of darkness and all forms of confusion. May you let go of every worry. May you let go of every illness and every pain and every financial uncertainty and every debt and every bad decision that you've ever made. Will you let go of those things today and believe one thing, that Jesus Christ is Lord of all of those things. 
and he's Lord over your life, and he's Lord over this earth, and he's the king, and he is the king of kings, and governments rest on his shoulders. We don't have to worry about anything but Jesus. And Jesus Christ crucified the one thing. Because he fixed it through one thing. Father, I pray, Lord, that as we come on this Father's Day, we come on a day where we honor fathers. We honor our fathers. And we're honored as fathers. Father, you were on a cross. And you cried out and you said, My father, why have you forsaken me? And in that moment, you took on all of the cares. And all of the worries of the world. And in one moment, through one act of belief, because even you, Jesus, had to believe. You carried the weight through your faith. You carried our weight. This morning, may we recognize and honor you as our Lord, as our leader in every situation, as the Prince of Peace, the Son of Wisdom. You, Jesus, are a picture of perfection. <laughs> this morning, we get to look up at you and we get to see everything that God intended for us and for this world. And we take our eyes and ignoring the message of the world, the news of the world, ignoring the knowledge that we've built up, ignoring our mistakes, we look to you, Jesus, and we ask that you come and fulfill us this morning. And you pull us up into light. And we ask, Father, that you'll just bless us as we do that. Bless us as we submit ourselves to you and say, Jesus is Lord. And as we say, I believe in the risen Son, Jesus Christ, who is my King and my Lord of Lords. And I thank you, Father, this morning that we get to step out of the storms, we get to step out of the crown, and we get to go back to that which, to those areas where we might have lost hope. And we thank you that you breathe your life into it. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. We bless you, bless you, bless you, bless you. And I just want to thank every person on Father's Day for being here. Really, this is, it is such, I was just, when I drove in this morning, I was just so expectant and so grateful that we get to spend this day, every Sunday, with the body. 
We get to spend Sundays together. <laughs> if you did fall, we would have prayed for you. <laughs> and so I just was so filled with deep gratitude to be a part of this body. Can you give yourselves a hand just to say, man, this is awesome. <laughs> so may you be blessed. May you have an amazing Sunday. May you be blessed as fathers. May you bless your father. And may your lunch be better than mine. Amen. Amen. <laughs> you're welcome. If you want to come up for a cup of coffee, you're welcome to come up, grab a cup of coffee. Um, if you have anything we can pray for, let us know. We can pray for you. Otherwise, just go and have an awesome, awesome week. And we look forward to seeing you guys next week. Married couples, tomorrow night, 5.30 for 6. And remember to sign up for Love After Marriage. We're going to put out a WhatsApp with the link to the form where you can register. And um, then you guys can, can register that way. Be blessed. Thank you for listening to the Sermon of the Week. Remember to visit our website at www.revivalministry.co.za where you can sign up to receive more of these powerful messages.